Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This is the true story of a handsome and athletic teacher, his devoted and loving fiance, and the powerfully charismatic woman who indulges his deepest desires. Carla is the kind of woman who wouldn't say no to anything. Keon painted the picture that whatever they wanted to do sexually, they did. It's a tale of a man torn between two lives, and the unbelievable violence that comes from his obsession. He said the sex was like a drug and kept him going back. Beware. Extreme passion can lead to shocking consequences. In 2006, at the height of the housing boom, the Jackson, Mississippi suburbs are teeming with new developments. It's a place where a young couple can get an affordable house and build a life together. Ridgeland, Mississippi is a nice community. It's on the outskirts of Jackson, which is the capital of Mississippi. Lots of young, up-and-coming couples. In the spring of 2006, Keon and his girlfriend, Avis, buy their very first home in the area. Keon was a teacher at Chastain Middle School in Jackson, and uh, he was also a basketball coach. College educated, dressed nice, well-spoken. Keon is a real catch for the ladies. He's extremely confident. He's your typical alpha male, and he gets what he wants. Avis comes from a, a family that's just typical Southern good good people. She was quiet, she was hardworking. Avis was the first of the grandchildren to go to college and had dreams of owning her own daycare business. 
Ava's main goal in life was opening a daycare. Ava's always talked about children. Soon after moving into their new home, the young couple finds out some exciting news. Ava's called me one morning and she was like, I got something to tell you. I'm pregnant. She was overexcited. Keon was very excited as well, very excited. It seems like everything is falling into place for Avis and Keon. They make plans to get married before the baby is born. She was in love. She was absolutely in love. She was very happy with him, very excited about the baby and where they were headed in their life. He said that he had never loved anyone the way he loved her. But while they share love for each other, in many ways, the couple couldn't be more different. Avis is quiet and family-oriented, while Keon seeks excitement and an active social life. They were very opposite. Keon was more of a party-goer than Avis was. She was not someone who would socialize a lot. She worked hard, but a lot of times when she would leave work, she wanted to go home, she wanted to be with her family. Keon has plenty of opportunities to meet new people. By day, he takes center stage as a school teacher. By night, he's a bartender at a local restaurant. But little does Avis know, Keon is developing quite the reputation as a ladies' man. Keon was a bona fide womanizer, a playboy, a Casanova, if you will. Just a, a player, basically. He was very flirtatious with women was always trying to be the center of attention with females. Avis never questions her fiancé about whom he meets or what he does outside of their home. She loves him and believes they want all the same things. It would be easy for Keon to lead another woman on or be with another woman because he knew Avis would be home. Avis trusted him and trusted his word. In August of 2006, just before the start of the school year, Keon is introduced to the new English teacher. Her name is Carla Hughes. Carla is a pretty girl. She's very put together. Hair nicely done, her makeup was really pretty. And she looked very much like a school teacher. She looked like someone you would trust. Carla was a, a well-educated, a well-thought-of individual in her community. Uh, she came from, from a very good family. Growing up, she participated in beauty pageants. Uh, she was a good student. She participated in horse shows. Everything she touched turned to gold with every achievement. She gets the feeling that there's nothing she can't have or do if she puts her mind to it. Carla and Keon hit it off. And the two teachers' conversations quickly become personal. Carla was fully aware that he was engaged to be married and bought a house with his fiancée and that she was pregnant. The chemistry is instant and it's powerful. He sees this woman who is very different than his fiancée, Avis, somebody who also exudes the sort of confidence, the alpha qualities that he possesses, and together, they make something like a match to a flame. Soon, Carla and Keon are inseparable. 
If he's not in her classroom, she's in his. After school, they seek each other out, whether it's at basketball or cheerleading practice. Just three weeks after they first meet, Carla comes up with a reason to invite Kian over to her apartment after school, alone. It was just the two of them, and then she said that she was about to go on a motorcycle ride with friends. Carla tells Kian that she needs to change clothes before heading out, but what she does next takes him by surprise. She invited Kian upstairs in her bedroom, and she changed right in front of him. And he says the next time he came to her apartment, which was a few days later, they had sex. Carla and Keon can't seem to resist their intense attraction for each other. Their innocent friendship quickly escalates into a full-blown erotic affair. And then it started progressing to two to three times a week. Keon finds sex with his new partner beyond exciting. Keon described their relationship as a sexual adventure, sexual fantasy. He painted the picture that whatever they wanted to do sexually, they did. Carla is the kind of woman who wouldn't say no to anything. And that's a real hook, a gut hook, for a fish like Keon. Soon, Carla and Keon become even more brazen about their private relationship. Even when they're seen together at school, they don't do much to hide the intimacy between them. There was at least the knowledge around the school that there was an attraction between Keon and Carla. The other teachers would observe flirting. Carla and Keon would use their students to pass notes between each other at school, things that people would consider inappropriate if you are engaged to someone else. On nights when Carla drops by the bar, Keon gives her special treatment. Keon was all over her. He would constantly come to the table, even while he was working. She told me he would sometimes be actually at the table playing with her feet because he claimed that she had pretty feet. While Keon and Carla spend their days and nights carousing, Keon's pregnant fiance, Avis, is at home. I don't think Avis had any idea that Keon was cheating. I think if Avis had known, Avis would have left. I don't think she would have tolerated it. On Labor Day weekend, just a few weeks into their affair, Keon and Carla steal away for a romantic tryst in Memphis. While lying in each other's arms, Keon confides in Carla that he no longer feels satisfied in his relationship with Avis. He indicated to her that he wasn't very happy with Avis and that he thought that uh, the two of them could make a better couple. Keon really is attracted to Carla because she's just like him. She's extremely confident. She goes after what she wants. She's charming and gregarious. And for Keon, it makes him think about a different kind of life that he might be able to have with Carla. Carla starts fantasizing about what it would be like to be Avis, engaged and living with Keon, expecting his baby. As the relationship between the two developed, Carla became much more possessive. 
Carla wanted to be with Keon. Uh, Carla wanted uh, to live in the nice house that Avis had. She wanted a family with Keon. I definitely think Carla was jealous of Avis. She wanted Keon to be hers and all hers. Keon and Carla can't get enough of each other sexually. But could this couple's obsession with one another lead them down a sinister road with no return? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Janice from Warner Brothers Discovery. Have you ever heard the expression, perfect is the enemy of good? I think about that a lot, especially when it comes to my body and health, because perfect does not exist. It's a total trap. Noom isn't into this perfection thing either. Its unique approach is tailored to each person's psychology and biology. From coaching to recipes, Noom's app provides personalized information to help you on your journey, no one else's journey. I also think it's great that Noom doesn't restrict what you can eat, and it doesn't shame you for treating yourself. And treat yourself, you should. What's more, Noom's approach is grounded in science. They've even published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles about how they work. To date, Noom has helped more than 5.2 million people lose weight by helping them build new habits for a healthier lifestyle. So why not give it a try? Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Over the past few weeks, fellow teachers Keon and Carla have been engaging in an intense erotic affair behind the back of Avis, Keon's pregnant fiancé. The lovers have just spent their first intimate weekend away together, becoming even more emotionally involved. As soon as they return home to Jackson, 
Carla starts putting pressure on Keon to leave Avis. When Carla fell for someone, she fell and fell hard. Once Carla determines that she is in love with Keon, uh, we quickly see the relationship being Carla trying to do all that she can to break up Keon's relationship with Avis. She needs to convince Keon that he is better off with her, that together they would make the perfect power couple. But while Keon placates Carla by telling her what she wants to hear, his actions tell a different story. Keon leaves with Avis for a weekend to attend his cousin's wedding in Detroit. When he and Avis get back, an unexpected visitor is there to greet them. When they flew back in uh, to Jackson after the, the wedding, uh, Carla was there. Uh, she had driven to the airport. Uh, she was there waiting for him to arrive. Avis has no idea what's going on. Keon pretends he doesn't see Carla's car, but he's not happy. The next time Keon sees Carla, he confronts her about her appearance at the airport. Initially, she said her aunt or someone in her family had used the car. But later on, she told him that it was her and that she wanted to see for herself who he'd gone to Detroit with. She wants to see it with her own two eyes. Who is this Avis? What kind of hold could she have over my man? Despite Carla's obsessive behavior, Keon keeps seeing her. He's hooked on the best sex of his life. For Keon, there's definitely a sexual chemistry with Carla. Undeniable, it's hot. He is almost addicted to Carla. And yet, what really makes it fantastic for him is the idea that it's forbidden. The idea that they could get caught, the risk. But Carla's about to raise the stakes in their illicit love affair. In October of 2006, just two months into their secret liaison, Carla makes a shocking announcement. She's pregnant, and Keon is the father. She asked him, now what are you going to do about this baby? Now Keon's backed into a corner. He has to deal with two pregnant women in his life and has no idea what to do. But a few weeks later, Carla makes another shocking announcement. She's not pregnant after all. It's a false alarm. Keon is so visibly relieved at the news, something in Carla snaps. In the heat of the moment, she threatens to drive over to Keon's house to tell Avis about their affair. She got in her car to go to their house and tell Avis, Keon's been cheating on you with me and uh, Keon followed her in his car and told her, if you go to my house and tell Avis, I will call law enforcement, have you removed from my property. Keon knew Avis trusted his every word. And for Carla to come over and tell her everything, Keon knew Avis would be gone. Keon convinces Carla not to tell Avis, but it's obvious to him that things are spiraling out of control. On Thanksgiving Day 2006, Keon and his fiancée Avis are spending the holiday with her family when Keon's phone starts ringing off the hook in front of his future in-laws. It's his mistress, Carla. 
Every time Keon's phone rang, Avis would give him this look. So finally, once Keon answered it the last time, Avis kind of made a joke, is that your girlfriend? Keon brushes it off and makes up an excuse for all the phone calls. The following weekend, the situation only gets worse. The weekend after Thanksgiving, Keon and Avis went to Keon's mom's house in Picayune. Well, Carla and her friend show up in Picayune and get a hotel room, which is kind of a stalker move. She shows up unexpected. Keon does not know that she's going to be there. Carla contacts Keon, telling him that she wants to see him. That Saturday night, a reluctant Keon agrees to meet Carla at a local bar. After a few drinks, Keon makes it clear that he has to get back to Avis. Carla is livid. Carla wants him to go out with her that night. He says, I've got Avis at home with my mom. We're here spending family time. Carla was upset. Carla was just grasping at straws, trying to keep Keon to herself and trying to get him to leave Avis and be with her. The next day, Carla and Keon have a heated conversation. She said, from this point on, some things are going to change. Once Carla came back to town, she was on a mission to make Avis's life her life. Carla's fed up with being on the sidelines, but Keon won't leave his pregnant fiance Avis. If their secret liaison comes out, it could shatter all their lives. What lengths will they go to keep their affair hidden forever? Teachers Keon and Carla have been engaging in some steamy extracurricular activity. But Keon's fiance Avis, who is five months pregnant with his child, is completely unaware of the secret sexual liaison. Now, three months after the affair first began, Carla wants Keon to leave his fiance for her. But Keon doesn't want to choose. Maybe Keon thinks he can have his cake and eat it too. He wanted that lifestyle with a wife and a family and a house. But he also wanted this other lifestyle where he was out partying and always having a different woman. He liked the fact that he had juggled several women at one time. Keon and Carla are caught up in the secrets and excitement of their love triangle. But on the evening of November 29th, 2006, a nightmare intrudes on their passionate affair. When police get a frantic call from Keon and Avis's neighbor. Police arrive within minutes they discover Keon cradling the body of his fiance, Avis. The scene is shocking and almost unbelievably violent. Avis was lying on her back, uh, face up. Her body was, was covered in blood. This was extremely violent in nature. She was shot four times, that she was stabbed several times. Her throat was slashed. Just a horrific scene where a pregnant woman is laying in her garage in a pool of her own blood. 
I'm just shot dead like an animal. 27-year-old Ava's Banks and her unborn child are pronounced dead. Avis's family arrives at the scene of the crime. When we got out of the car, Keon was laying in the street, crying. He was so upset, he couldn't tell us what was going on. We had to learn from the paramedics that Avis had died. And it was a moment I would never forget, never forget. From the objects found lying next to Avis's body, detectives begin with the assumption that Avis had been attacked soon after arriving home. Inside, the house has been ransacked, leading detectives to form a theory. Perhaps Avis interrupted a burglary in progress. There were drawers which were opened. There were items which had been removed from the drawers thrown around the house. Detectives locate the point of entry off of the rear patio. It appears the burglar kicked in the door, but left something behind. We were able to see a real distinct shoe impression on that door, complete with a, with a tread pattern uh, from heel to, to toe, so we had the, the full impression. With no solid leads about who could have done this, police turn their attention to Avis's distraught fiance, Keon. They tell him he needs to come down to the station and answer a few questions. With most murders, this type, when you start looking for suspects, you always deal with people closest to the victim, and we knew that person to be Keon. That kind of struck a nerve. Why is Keon being taken to the police station when you guys need to be searching for a suspect? At the station, police follow standard procedure for crimes involving gunshots. They administer a gunpowder residue test on Keon's hands and take blood samples from his clothes. During the police interrogation, Keon is asked to recount the day's events leading up to the murder. He explains that he last spoke with Avis at 5.15 when he called her from basketball practice. At 8 p.m., Keon left practice and drove home. At 8.30 p.m., he found Avis dead on the garage floor. He immediately left the garage, ran hysterically to a next door neighbor and started beating on their door saying, call the police, call the police, help me, help me. But during questioning, the detective notices that Keon's behavior seems unusual for a grieving fiance. Keon was extremely agitated. He felt early on that he was being treated as a suspect. He didn't give much indication that he was distraught about the murder. He was concerned about the way he looked. But with no motive or specific evidence, police release him later that night. As police begin investigating the case, they can't seem to find anyone who would wish Avis dead. We weren't able to find out any information uh, that would lead us to believe that Avis had any enemies. She was the type of person that everybody got along with, everybody loved and, and cared for. Was it possible her fiance Keon was involved in her murder? Desperate for any kind of new leads, police start looking into Keon's personal life. At that point, the investigation was focused on Keon. We were trying to find out who some of Keon's closest friends were. The name Carla Hughes came up as, as being one of his friends that he spent a lot of time with at the school. Since the murder, Keon has spoken to Carla a number of times. But according to Carla, their affair is over. She knew he had gone to the house and that he had found Avis. 
I'm sure things were racing through her mind based on what she said. I said, was he involved in this? Uh, what is this all about, you know? Carla is asked to meet with an investigator. During the interview, he inquires about the nature of her relationship with Keon. Carla downplays their involvement. Do you have a boyfriend? Uh, <laughs> no, 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 not really. My boyfriend broke up a while ago. But when the detective pushes harder, Carla starts to give little hints of the truth about her relationship with Keon. Please don't lie to me. Were you two romantically involved? Yes. Because I know the people at the school were going to say, yeah, they were dating or whatever, but they, they didn't. It, that's just, they're going on speculation. You know what I mean? Because like I said, they see you together and they think certain things. In this, this case, In this case, they were right. <laughs> As the police push further and further, she crumbles a little bit, and she admits that there may be something going on. Police now have some valuable new information. Keon, Carla, and Avis were involved in a love triangle. It's the best and only lead they have so far. Detectives take a harder look at the crime scene and find indications that a burglary had never actually occurred. The house had been ransacked, we believe, in appearance to make it look like a burglary. There were items which had not been taken, electronic items, credit cards, jewelry. Police also consider the state of Avis's dead body. Although an autopsy has revealed that Avis was not sexually assaulted, the violence of the crime seems to mean one thing. It was a very personal attack. The fact that the killer pulled her pants down showed that whoever did this to her did not like her. Investigators will tell you that's usually because the killer was trying to disrespect the person, to embarrass them. The more they looked at this, the more they were convinced this had to be somebody that Avis knew. Why would a burglar repetitively shoot somebody? Why would they go to the trouble of overkill with slashing her throat? It appears that it's more of a crime of passion than a home invasion burglary. But could this crime of passion have been orchestrated by two lovers with a shared motive? Is it possible that Carla or Keon or both plotted to murder Keon's inconvenient fiance? Police are about to uncover the one piece of evidence that will blow this case wide open. Avis and her unborn child have been tragically, violently murdered. Initially, police think the crime was committed by a stranger, a burglary gone wrong. But when they find out that Avis's fiance, Keon, is having an affair, they suddenly have two suspects, Keon and his lover, Carla. Although Keon and Carla initially do not tell police about their secret liaison, when questioned again, the lovers admit that they did, in fact, meet up the very day Avis was killed. We know Keon's whereabouts on the day of the murder. Uh, we know that from first what Keon tells us. Carla substantiates uh, his story. After school, 
Carla was back at her apartment sometime after 4 o'clock uh, because we know that Keon stopped by uh, and dropped off the groceries that, that he had purchased earlier in the day. He spent 30-some-odd minutes or so, roughly, at, at Carla's house. By 5.30 p.m., Keon's at the school for basketball practice. When practice begins at 5.30, Keon is there. The parents state when practice begins, Keon is there. At around 7.45, Keon leaves basketball practice, goes back to Carla's house to retrieve his groceries, and then heads home. On his way there, he says he calls Avis, but gets no answer. Concerned, Keon calls Avis's mother to see if she's heard from her. It was very unusual for Avis to have missed Keon's calls. My mom was saying, well, just call me back if you get in touch with her. Call me right back. At around 8.45, Keon discovers Avis's body dead in the garage. Then he calls Carla. One of the first people he called was Carla. And she was on the phone with her mom when he called. And Keon just called me. Something has happened to Avis. He wants me to come over. And her mom said, don't go over there. If you go over there, don't go alone. Go with somebody else. By the time Carla arrives at the scene, Keon is at the police station. They speak again by phone while he's waiting to be questioned. He basically told her he didn't understand why they were holding him at the station. Meeting and calling your lover on the day your fiance is murdered may be suspicious behavior, but it's not proof of any crime. With no concrete evidence linking either Keon or Carla to the murder, the police have nothing else to act on. Then on December 5th, 2006, police get the possible break they've been waiting for. A local attorney calls to say he has a client in possession of a 38 five-shot revolver, the same small-caliber firearm used to kill Avis. And the person in possession of the gun is none other than Carla's cousin, Patrick. Patrick said that the Sunday before the murder, Carla comes to him, says that she needs a gun for protection. He loans her a five-shot revolver, which is fully loaded, and a locking hunting knife with a blade three and a half to four inches long. Carla's excuse for getting a gun that her apartment was broken into, and she felt scared, and so she needed protection. Two days after the murder, Carla returns the gun to her cousin, empty. Patrick opens the chamber of the gun and sees that the gun doesn't have any bullets. He asked Carla, Carla, what happened to the bullets that I gave you? And she responded that she had gone target practice and had fired those rounds. Carla told me she handled the gun one time after he gave it to her. She went out and fired it a couple of times at the reservoir just to feel that she could fire it. Patrick turns the empty gun over to police. He knew that Carla was involved with Keon. He was seeing the news stories about the death of Avis, and he became concerned that possibly the gun had, in fact, been used in the murder. The gun is then turned over to the state crime lab for testing. When results come in, it's a match for the murder weapon ballistics matched that gun up to the projectiles recovered from Avis's body. And the knife that was barred was never recovered. Carla is now a suspect, and she stands alone. 
Since the murder, Carla and her former lover, Keon, have avoided each other. Their hot, passionate affair is but a distant memory. I don't think they spent as much time together during that time. Although Keon reached out to Carla in his moment of need in the interview room, he really doesn't have any further contact with her. He decides to simply lay low, and the relationship between Carla and Keon goes cold. This time, when Carla is brought in for a second round of questioning, she brings a lawyer. Before speaking with police, Carla and her attorney have a little chat. He says that if she knows anything about Keon's involvement in the murder, she should say something now to save herself. Unbeknownst to Carla, their conversation is being videotaped. I don't understand why you're trying to protect Carla tells her attorney she will not talk about whether Keon was involved or not. She always said, I can't tell you that he did it, because he never did admit to me he did it. Carla is arrested and charged as an accessory to murder. Police now believe that since Carla was in possession of the murder weapon a few days before Avis was killed, she was somehow involved in the murder. But they have no proof that she actually did it or that she acted alone. The investigation now shifts to Carla. She is romantically involved with Keon. She has the gun that we know was used in the murder of Avis Banks. At this point, we still don't know whether or not she fired that fatal shot. Did Carla kill her boyfriend's fiance? Or did Keon kill Avis? Or did they do it together? In this crime of passion, police still don't have the answer to the only question that matters. What really happened the night that Avis and her unborn child were killed? But a second piece of evidence is about to surface that will reveal the killer's identity once and for all. Twenty-seven-year-old Avis Banks and her unborn child have been brutally murdered. Police have uncovered that Avis's fiance, Keon, had a lover named Carla, and that Carla had possession of the murder weapon a few days before the crime. Carla is arrested and charged with being an accessory to murder. But the mystery remains. Who actually killed Avis Banks? At that point, we had the weapon that was used to kill Avis Banks, and that weapon had been in the hands of Carla Hughes. But Ridgeland Police Department still had doubts whether Carla was the shooter, whether Keon was the shooter, or whether someone else may have potentially pulled the trigger. A search warrant is issued to hunt for more evidence in Carla's condo. As detectives rummage through her possessions, they stumble upon love notes between Keon and Carla. Then they find it. The second significant piece of evidence linking Carla to the crime. And we were able to find a pair of soft sole tennis shoes that when we pulled them out of the box had the same identical 
shoe impression that was found on the on the rear door. And that's where we located the shoes that were that were used to kick in the back door. It's now clear to investigators who was in that house and who killed Avis. Carla's charges are upgraded to two counts of capital murder. Investigators can now reconstruct the timeline of what really happened the evening Avis was murdered. At 5 p.m., Keon drops off groceries at Carla's place. Between 5 and 5.30, Carla arrives at Keon at Avis's house and kicks in the door, leaving an impression of her shoe. She then tosses items around in the house in an attempt to make it look like a burglary. After Carla stages that scene, uh, she then waits for Avis to come home. When Avis's car pulls into the uh, garage, she hears the garage door close. She hears the car turn off. She hears Avis open her car door and step out. She then uh, takes that firearm and begins to fire. The first weapon that was used, in our opinion, would have been the, the, the gun. There were a total of five shots that were fired. Carla was, was out of bullets at that time. We felt like she used a knife on her to, to make sure that there was no coming back from this. Police now believe Carla acted alone. They find no evidence actually linking Keon to the crime, and his alibi at the time of the murder holds up. We were able to establish that the time of death was approximately 5.45 to 6 o'clock basketball practice uh, began at 5.30. We have witnesses who were there at basketball practice that said that Keon was there uh, at the time practice began. And even though tests indicate the presence of gunpowder on Keon's hands and Avis's blood on his clothes, there is an explanation. We believe that the blood and that gunshot residue came from Keon handling the body of Avis Banks. Keon is no longer a suspect in the death of his fiance. In October of 2009, the case against Carla Hughes goes to trial. The prosecution calls Keon to the stand. It's the first time Keon and Carla have seen each other since the day of the murder three years ago. Their once passionate affair is a thing of the past. Carla showed her biggest emotion while Keon was testifying, when he looked over at her and said, Carla was nothing but sex to me. Keon talked about Carla just like she was just some woman off the streets, that there was never any intention on leaving Avis for Carla. When he took the stand and indicated that he viewed Carla as a piece of meat, so to speak, she was really shocked by that. I don't think she ever expected him to indicate that she meant nothing to him. On October 13th, 2009, after just eight hours of deliberation, the jury votes to convict Carla Hughes of two counts of capital murder in the deaths of Avis and her unborn son. When the verdict was read, Carla was in tears. Carla broke down when she heard the verdict. She just lost it. When the judge read guilty, I was relieved. It couldn't have been better to know that the person that did this to Avis is behind bars and will never get out. 
it, it felt like someone was holding my hand. And I took that as a sense of Avis saying, I'm free now. Carla was well-educated and had a good future, but she was... Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Was willing to murder someone else to try to get to the man that she wanted. I think she was in love with him. Somewhere along the way, she got the idea that the only reason that she was not with him was because he had a pregnant fiance. There's no other explanation as to why she would have done this. Poor Avis. She was just a nice girl who got caught in the middle of all of this. Just the innocent bystander, really. I would have to say, if you've never had the chance to meet Avis, she was a wonderful person. Avis was more than a sister to me. She was my best friend. Not only did Carla take one life, she took two. I would love to ask her why, just why. 